Praise God. Let's open our Bible to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And I hope you all have a message, God. We sang that song a little bit earlier, Lord, you are more precious. And as we, as we were singing that song, I just asked myself this question, do I, really, do I really understand how precious God is? And the answer is I don't. In my finite mind, in my infinite ability to comprehend, I can't truly know how precious he is, but I, I sense how precious he is. And I think of all the people that walk around in life every day oblivious to who God is. I wonder how many Christians, how many believers take for granted how precious Jesus is. What Christ has done for us, what no man was able to do, what we were never able to do for ourselves, He has done for us in giving us the right to become children of God. And Do we really comprehend, do we really have even a glimpse of how precious that He is? And you know, I, I want to really encourage you to live your life and to be mindful of how precious Jesus is every day. And to be thankful for the gift that God has given you every day that you wake up. And you open your eyes and you take a breath, a conscious breath. That every day that you live is a gift from God. And to never, ever take for granted how precious the Lord is. And sometimes in the midst of our troubles, sometimes in the midst of our trials and our tribulations, we think maybe God has forgotten us or God has abandoned us because life doesn't seem to go the way that we want it to go or we think that it should go. And who are we to say how life should be, how life should go? But in the midst of, of all of this, all the trouble that's in the world, all the trials and the tribulations that press against us, there is this remaining constant, and He is a constant among all the variables. Jesus is the constant. His love is constant. His grace is constant. His mercy is is constant. His power to save is constant. What He has done for us and the gift He has given us is constant. It doesn't fade away. It doesn't diminish in any way. It doesn't lose its power or its potency. The cross is constant. The resurrection is constant. The life of Christ is constant. And it doesn't matter what happens out here. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. But the Lord of glory, He is constant. And I just want to encourage you. We sang that song, holy, holy, holy. And if we, if we could catch how holy God is, there is not any taint of sin. There is no taint of impurity. There is no taint of sin. There is, 
He is so absolutely holy. And we were so absolutely unholy. We were so tainted and so corrupted by sin. And yet God, though we were unworthy, He still loved us. And even though we did not deserve it in any way, shape, or form, He made a way where there was no way for us. Because of His constant love, His constant grace, His constant mercy. And I want to encourage you, don't let this world distract you and deceive you and draw you away from that constant. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear and lie to you and fill your mind with lies about God and His love for you and His care and His concern for you because it is constant. It is constant. Let's just wait on the Lord for just a moment. Now, I just really feel like there are some of you here that are, that are just really, really struggling. And maybe you just have been so distracted. And maybe you've let the distractions of life just kind of draw your mind away from that reality. And God in His grace, He just wants to take a moment. And He wants to bring you back. He wants to bring you back to that reality of His love. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And the Lord wants to remind us that our life is hidden. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And you know, that's not just, that's not just being conscious of sinful things. That's saying, don't set your mind on the things on this earth. Don't let the trials and the tribulations and the suffering of life draw your attention away from Christ who is seated above. Above what? Above all of these things that are of the earth. Above all of the things that are temporary. Take your eyes off the temporary and place them on the eternal. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for any that are here, Lord, that have been struggling, 
keeps our eyes off of the things of the earth. So, Father, I just pray that you would, in your grace and in your constant mercy and constant love, Lord, help them to turn their eyes back onto you. Lord, I pray that you would give them a revelation and an understanding of what Paul said. Lord, when he said that the sufferings and the afflictions of this present age cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. That, Lord, our light afflictions in this life here, this temporary life here, these light afflictions, God, are building and are producing a more eternal weight of glory. And Lord, in our humanness, we cannot, in just our sheer willpower, do that. And I believe, Lord, it's why you told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient. For in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And Father, we have bought into the world system so much that, Lord, even in the church, we have looked to power and we have looked to the arm of the flesh. But, Lord, you never said it was in our power. It was never in the strength of the flesh. Lord, you said in our weakness, your strength was made perfect. Father, for those that are here today and they feel like, God, they are in much weakness and they are very vulnerable, Father, I pray that your strength would be perfected in them. I pray, God, that you would open their spiritual eyes and cause them to see the perfection of your strength and the perfection of your power, even in their weakness. That, Lord, even at the very last moment when it seems we have been cast into the lion's den and the lions are ready to devour us, that you are there to close their mouths. Even when we have been cast into the fiery furnace, and bound hand and foot, and it seems we shall surely be consumed by the fire, that Lord, there you are in the midst of that fire. And Lord, we will escape with not even the smell of smoke upon us. Lord, what we ask today is not what man can do. It's only what you can do by your power and by your grace. Father, I just pray. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you want to just remind us today. You want us to pause for a moment and you want to remind us today that it is your grace, it is your power. And that you are more than able to save and to deliver. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We ask you, God, to give us a revelation of how precious you are. Forgive us, God, for taking for granted who you are and the salvation that is so great.
You know, the Lord doesn't say that as a word of correction. He says that as a word of encouragement. And there are, there are, you're here today. You know who you are. You need to be encouraged in the Lord. And God is, I'm telling you, God is saying to you, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Don't look at your circumstances. Keep your eyes on me, the Lord says. Keep your eyes on me. Amen. Keep looking up. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. Matthew 13, 23 says, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Do you hear the word, church? Do you hear what Jesus has to say? Have you heard what the Lord has spoken to you today? Do you understand what God is saying to your heart, and to your mind, and to your spirit? Are you allowing that seed of His word to be implanted in the good soil of your heart so that it can produce a crop of righteous fruit, some 100, some 60, some 30. Because that is the whole point that God wants to manifest. He wants to produce through us His fruit. We are the ground, Jesus said. And what does God want to produce from the ground? He wants to produce fruit from the ground. We are the branch, Jesus said. What does He want to produce through the branch? He wants to produce fruit through the branch. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And it is the fruit of his spirit that God wants to produce through the ground and through the branches. Through your life. A seed. One seed multiplies into many seeds. Go, go to Matthew 12, verse 33. Let's read this. And it's through that multiplication of the seed and the fruit that the Father is glorified. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. That reminds me of what what the Lord said in the book of Revelation. He said, I'd rather that you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And Jesus said, there's no in between here. A tree either produces good fruit or it produces bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce some good fruit and some bad. A good tree can't produce some good and some bad. It's either good or it's bad. It's either hot or it's cold. And Jesus said, I would rather that you be hot or cold. Why? Because in our lukewarmness, what happens it's in a state of lukewarmness that we become deceived. We think we're okay. Just like the Laodicean church thought they were okay. But what did the Lord say? He said, you're blind, you're naked, you're poor. But you think you're rich. You think you're clothed really well. You think you can see really good. But you're not, you can't. And Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. This is important church. A tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil. Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart. Your mouth will speak. 
What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Try as much as you want to keep it from coming out. I'm telling you what. What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Sooner or later, your mouth will betray what is truly in your heart. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. A seed determines the tree, and the tree determines the fruit. Jesus said, you are the ground and the good seed is planted in the good ground of your heart. And what seed is planted in your heart is going to determine ultimately what fruit comes out of your mouth. You might not know what an apple tree or a peach tree looks like just with a tree with leaves. But everybody knows what an apple looks like and everybody knows what a peach looks like. And when you go up to a tree and you see the fruit hanging onto it, you don't have to know what the bark and the leaf looks like. You look at the fruit and you identify the tree by the fruit. It is our fruit that identifies who we are. It's our fruit that identifies what tree we are of. And so it's the seed that will produce the fruit that's being multiplied from the abundance of our heart. It is the seed that will produce the fruit that is being multiplied from the abundance of our heart. So that means we need to be mindful of what kind of seed we're sowing in our heart. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, remember, he said, I am the true vine, which means if there's a true vine, there must be a false vine. And it's not good enough just to have fruit. We need to have fruit that comes from the true vine that's growing from the true root. And so what we plant in our heart, what we sow in our heart is going to come out of our mouths. It's going to be multiplied in our lives. If we sow the good seed of God's word into the good soil of our heart, the fruit produced from that abundance of the heart will be what? It will be the fruit of the Spirit. There's only one kind of fruit that God wants. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know the whole point of being filled with the Spirit? Do you know why God filled us with the Spirit? Do you know what us Charismatics and Pentecostals think? Wrongly? I'm going to tell you today. You can stone me later on, okay? We think being filled with the Spirit is all about the gifts. Can I tell you it has nothing to do with the gifts? God gives gifts, the Spirit gives gifts as He wills. The point of being filled with the Spirit is so that we can manifest the fruit of the Spirit. We are so gift conscious in our charismatic Pentecostal traditions that we have abandoned and diminished the importance of fruitfulness. But yet nowhere... Nowhere, I challenge you to find it in the scripture and show me anywhere where God says he judges us by our gifts. That we will be known by our gifts. No, no, no. We will be known by our fruit. They will know you are my disciples by the giftings that you have. Uh Uh-uh. 
They will know that you are my disciples by the love, the first fruit of the Spirit listed, by the love that you have for one another. And if we would pay as much attention in trying to produce fruit as we do manifest gifts, we'd have more power running out of our ears than we could deal with. But instead, we're seeking something that God said not to seek first. He said to seek and desire, but I'm telling you what, God put His Spirit in us so that we could manifest His fruit. And we're not going to look at this today. We'll look at it next week. It's exactly why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 12 and then wrote chapter 13. Go home this week and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then read chapter 13 and understand why Paul wrote what he wrote. And what God desires, when you look at the parables, parable after parable after parable, Jesus talked about it. What the Father desires is fruit. The Father is glorified by what? By much fruit. By much fruit. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. Your words are the produce of the seed that is sown in your heart. I'm going to say that again. Your words are the produce of the seed sown in your heart. There's been a lot of abuse of, of Jesus' words. There's been a lot of abuse of some of the scriptures we're going to talk about here today. Jesus didn't give us power in our words. His point was not so that we could name and claim whatever we want. What Jesus was saying is, what's in your heart is going to come out. Is the good seed of the word of God in your heart? If it is, then the fruit of that should come out. If it's in you, then the fruit of it should be manifest through your life. It's exactly why John said, don't tell me you love God with your mouth, but your actions say that you hate your brother. Because if you hate your brother, the love of God is not in you. Why? Because the fruit of your life betrays what you're trying to portray outwardly, but inwardly what's in your heart is really what's coming out. And this is why Jesus said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned because your words indicate which tree your fruit comes from. And remember, Jesus is only interested, the Father is only interested in the fruit that comes from the true vine. Jesus said in John 15, the Father is the vine dresser. And when the harvesters bring the fruit, if that fruit doesn't come from the true vine, the Father will reject it. The vine dresser will reject it. Doesn't matter how good it looks, it doesn't matter. If it's not from the true vine, it's not acceptable. Look at Proverbs 18.20. Proverbs 18.20 says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips. Do you see where God connects our words? Because what? Our words come from what's inside of us. And he calls it fruit. And he calls it produce. And from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it 
will eat its fruit. What fruit do you like to eat? What is it that you are consuming? The fruit you eat will determine the fruit that will be multiplied in your life. It's the truth. The fruit you eat will determine the fruit that will be multiplied in your life. The fruit of your mouth and the produce of your lips will determine what you are filled with. Jesus said one day they were eating. And somebody said, basically, Jesus, you shouldn't eat that. And he said, it's not what, it's not what a man eats. It's not what goes in that defiles him. It's what comes out. But here's the reality. Jesus said that understanding that basically what we put in is what's going to come out. It's not about whether we're eating the right food or not. Physical food. Natural food. But what is it that you are consuming? What are you filling yourself with? What is your desire? What satisfies you? And whatever you need to satisfy you and you fill yourself with that, that's what's going to come out of your life. So is it the things of this earth that satisfy? Paul said, don't, don't get your eyes. Don't put your eyes on the things of this earth. Get them off of there. Why? Because that really is not going to satisfy you. Though you may think it will. It won't. Why? Because it's temporary. It's fleeting. But God, He is eternal. Jesus said in John 6 to those multitudes that followed Him, and He did the great miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And the next day, they all show up again. And He says, you guys are only following me for the bread and the fish. Not because of who I am. And he's told them this. He said, don't seek after the food that perishes. But seek after the food that's imperishable. Don't go after earthly bread. Seek the bread from heaven. He said, I am the bread from heaven. I am the manna come down in the wilderness. The seed sown in your heart will determine the fruit produced in your life. And the fruit produced in your life will determine the root in the tree that you're from. Jesus said in John in Matthew 7, Matthew 7:15, he said, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them how by their fruits." Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. What kind of fruit does a good tree bear? How do we become, figuratively speaking, good trees? How? We, begun, we, we need to get born again, right? And yes, we need to grow in the Word, but we need to be of Christ. How do I become a branch? That's producing fruit from the true root, from the true vine. i got to get connected to that vine. And when I become a branch connected to the true vine, I'm going to produce true fruit. But i got to get connected first. 
If I am a branch connected to a good tree, to the true vine, will I produce good fruit? Will I? Yes. Who said? Pastor Jeff or Jesus? Jesus. I'm just repeating what Jesus said. It's not my promise. It's his promise. If you are a good tree, you will produce good fruit. If you're in the true vine, you will produce true fruit because you are a branch with the life of the true vine flowing through you. But if you're a bad tree, try as you might. Work as hard as you want. You will not produce good fruit. And it may look great to you and it may look great to everybody else. And you may even say in that day, Lord, Lord, look at my good fruit. He says, depart from me. I don't know where that fruit came from. So he says, you'll know them by their fruits. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. I want you to hear that. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. You know what the devil whispers in your ear all the time? You're a bad tree. Tell me he doesn't. I know he does. When I first got saved, the devil whispered in my ear constantly, you're not really saved, you're not really saved. Oh, look what you just did. Oh, look what you just thought. Oh, look, look at that, look at that. That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. He accused me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'd even dream about his accusations. But thank the Lord, I had somebody who led me to Christ who grounded me in just a, few, just a few moments. They grounded me in the word and they said, don't believe the lie of the devil. Believe this word. This word is the truth. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. You're not saved because you feel like you're saved. You're not saved because you do everything right. You're not saved because you don't have any bad thoughts or any bad acts anymore. You're saved because you obeyed the word. And if you really believed in your heart and God has truly changed you and transformed you and made you a new creation... You are born again, and you need to speak the word and declare the word when those lies come to you. And here is what Jesus said, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Can't do it. What does that mean? That means in the day of judgment, the promise of God for you if you are truly born again, is that you will be a fruitful branch and you will produce his fruit. The question is, we got to figure out if we're growing out of the right tree. We need to find out if we're growing from the right root. It's not good enough just to be connected to a tree. It's not good enough just to have a seed planted in my heart. The question is, am I connected to the right tree and do I have the good seed? There's only one good seed. There's only one true vine. Is that where I'm growing from? Jesus said, a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Jesus goes on, and he continues on in, in verses 21 through 23 there. And that's the great passage where it says, they'll come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not uh, cast out demons? Did we not do signs and wonders in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, for I know you not. What was their problem? Was it that they didn't have fruit? The problem was they didn't have it from the right tree. They had works. They didn't have true fruit. 
See, Jesus didn't say you'll know them by their works. He said you'll know them by their fruit. The problem was they didn't have any fruit. They didn't have any fruit connected that came from the true tree, the true vine. That's why he says every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. Is God going to cut the tree that's growing from the root of his son? Is he going to cut the true vine down? No, he ain't going to do it. Is he interested in cutting you off of the vine? No, he's interested in making you fruitful, not cutting you off. So what's his promise? His promise is God the Father is a gardener who knows how to make you fruitful. So what do I need to do? Trust in myself or trust in the Father? You need to trust in the Father. Because I haven't seen a branch yet who's learned how to make itself fruitful. Can't do it. What do those branches do? They abide in the vine. And the vine dresser comes along and he makes the branch fruitful. And how, why does it become fruitful? Because it's connected to a good vine, growing out of a good root. I mean, there's not a better root or a better vine anywhere. Jesus is the perfect root and the perfect vine. And his life is perfect. And if you're a branch connected there, I promise you, the father, the gardener, the vine dresser knows how to make you fruitful. And his interest and his desire is to make you not just fruitful, but more fruitful and even much fruitful. Why? Because when you become much fruitful, the scripture says, by that the Father is glorified. Through your much fruit, the Father receives glory. And he is interested in making you very, very fruitful. So for these people that Jesus said, I did not know them, it was not their works that determined their root or where they were from. It was their root that determined their fruit. Why do apples appear on apple trees? Because they're growing from a tree whose root is an apple tree. From an apple seed. The root's an apple tree. That means the fruit's going to be an apple. It wasn't their works that determined where they were from. It was, it was the root and the fruit. And when Jesus didn't see the fruit, it told him they didn't come from the right root. Therefore, it didn't matter what their works were. It didn't matter in whose name they did those works. They were unacceptable because there was no fruit that came from the true vine. So the test of whether we are of the truth is not in our works. It's not in our gifts. It's what? It's in our fruit. It's in our fruit. In other words, if our words and our works are not the produce that is his fruit... What we produce should be his fruit. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit. Then we're from the wrong root. We're not of him. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, right above that in verse 19 in Galatians, he talks about the works of the flesh. You contrast works with fruit. How hard does the fruit work to get on that vine? It doesn't. It's the life of the vine that manifests the fruit. Jesus said, abide in me. We're called branches. Are we to work to be in the vine or are we to abide? In the vine. We abide in the vine. Who does the work? 
It's the life flowing through the vine that does the work. You know what my responsibility is? If I have one, here's what it is. It's to get out of his way and to let him. And to allow the wind of the Spirit to blow me where it needs to blow me. To move me where I need to be moved. And he will do it, church. He will do it. Lean not. Listen, trust in the Lord in all of your ways. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways. And He will direct your paths. How? By His Holy Spirit. You mean I don't have to figure out what I need to do? Listen, God gave you a brain. But He didn't ever give you a brain to use it in place of His leadership. He gave you a brain, and he gave me a brain. You might not believe that, but he did. So we could read this word. So we could communicate with him. So that we could pray. So that we could hear and listen and comprehend. Paul said, I pray that you would be able to comprehend the width and the depth and the height of his love for you. God, God gave us a brain because he wants us to comprehend his love. I'll never be able to comprehend it fully here. But he gave me a spirit. And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your spirit be open, the ears of your spirit be open, that you would see through the eyes of faith as Abraham did. God's purpose for us is to be fruitful. Does your life bear the fruit of His Spirit? It's a valid question. Does your life bear the fruit of His Spirit? Not just in your hour and a half or two hours of church on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday. But in your everyday life. Pastor friend of mine always told me. He said character. Is what a man does when no one's looking. Character is what a man does. When he knows. No one else. Will ever know. What he's done. In your everyday life. Do you manifest his love? Do you manifest his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control? It's not your fruit or my fruit. It's not the fruit of the flesh. It's the fruit of the spirit. You can't make it happen. You can't produce it. It comes from him. It comes from His Spirit, by His Spirit, through His power, manifest through you, the branch. But it's a valid question. What is the world seeing when they look at us? You will know them by their fruits, either true or false. It is the truth. The church is seeking to manufacture his power 
while failing to produce his fruit. I heard yet another story today of someone who, it, it, do, you, do you realize that men and women of God are just human? Do you know I'm a human being? I'm subject to anything that you're subject to. Now that doesn't give me an excuse to go and fail. I heard just recently of another instance where a pastor failed morally. And, and it's caused some people to become disillusioned. And they've just thrown the baby out with the bathwater and decided, you know, I'm done with church. Now, that pastor shouldn't have failed. But at the same time, we shouldn't define God, put men and women up on pedestals and expect something to them that's unreasonable. And we shouldn't define God or Jesus or the body of Christ based on some man's failing. We're just as wrong as that man who failed when we do that. You're not going to get a pass in that day because you say, well, you know, Lord, I was going to serve you, but the pastor failed, and so I decided that it wasn't worth it. God ain't going to give you a pass. You're still going to be responsible for your life, for your faith. Either you're going to choose to believe in Him or you're not going to. And nobody's failings is going to excuse you from that. God's not going to say, well, you're exempt from having any fruit because your pastor blew it. Uh Uh-uh. Because you know who your head ultimately is? It's Jesus Christ. You know who your shepherd ultimately is? His name is Jesus. You're not connected to the pastor then to Jesus. You are a branch connected directly to Jesus. Just like you don't have to pray to Mary to get to the Son. Uh Uh-uh. You have a direct access to God the Father. There is one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. That's not what I say. That's what the Scripture says. God wants to produce fruit through our life. Why? Because the world... The world is looking. And they're looking for our fruit. I told this story last night. When we were down at the coast, there was this house across the street, and they had these little puppies, these little pit bull puppies. I'm not afraid. One of the sweetest dogs I ever had was a little pit bull. And uh, anyways, that's a long story. I won't go there. But but these, these dogs lived in less than desirable conditions. Let me just say that. And I noticed one day that the little boy that lived in the house was out there kicking that dog as hard as he could and beating that dog with his fist. For some reason, all the dogs wanted to come to our house. Now, I I did find out that nobody wanted them there except me, and they came over. I love animals. I'm petting them, you know, and they're just, they're so loving and 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 then when I saw that, I'm thinking, Lord, no wonder they want to come over here. You know, the reality is, I believe God created everything with a desire to be loved. Those dogs wanted to be loved. And they gravitated to the place where they received love. Why do you think Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. 
Why do you think he said, if you will love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself, if you do these two things, you have kept all the law and all the prophets. And it was after that that Jesus said, now I'm going to make it even simpler for you boys. I'm going to give you a new commandment. And here it is, love one another the way I have loved you. Not even love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, no, 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 no. You love as I have loved you. That even puts a whole new twist on it. Why? Because it's by our love, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples. By what? By the love you have for one another. The world will know that you are my disciples. I am convinced love is the first fruit of the Spirit listed because you cannot have any of the other fruits if you don't have love. You don't have any love in your life, you tell me how much peace you're going to have. You don't have any love in your life. You tell me how much joy your life is full of. (laughs) It's not. You don't have any love in your life. Tell me how much patience you're going to have. How much self-control you're going to have. How much gentleness and how much kindness. How much faithfulness you're going to have. You're not going to have any. You begin to understand why fruit, why fruit, why fruit is so important. That what God desires to produce through his ground, we are the ground. And the scripture says, the resting plate of that, of that root will be glorious. You are the branch. And why he is so interested in producing fruit through his branches. Why? Because they will know. They will know you by your fruit. They will know whether we're his disciples or not. By our love, by our fruit. The church has become so power hungry, she's forgotten the admonition of the Lord to first become the least. It's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. It's in our humility that he will lift us up. That he will lift us up. It's in our total submission that we come to rule with him. Now, doesn't that seem, doesn't that seem kind of contradictory? Well, Lord, I've got to be totally submitted, but yet I'm going to rule? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lord, I've got, I got to be totally humbled and made low, but then you're going to lift me up? Yeah, that's right. You mean before I can become strong, I've got to become totally and completely weak? Yes. Because it's not your strength, it's his strength. It's not your position, it's his position. You're lifted up with him. You're not ruling anything. You're ruling through him. Paul came in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, the scripture says. Why? Because he first came in weakness, in fear, and in trembling, I'm convinced. Paul said, I purpose to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And Paul also knew himself to be crucified in his own weakness with Christ. From that place of weakness, like a seed falling to the ground, God is able 
to multiply his seed and produce his fruit. While we're trying to be so strong and so mighty and so powerful, God is saying, if you would just become weak, my strength would be made perfect in you. If you would quit seeking power and position, and oh, the church is seeking it. We're seeking it politically, in the nation, in every way, in every shape, in every form. And I am convinced when the church learns the lesson of the Lord Jesus and we get this mind which was also in Christ Jesus and we will humble ourselves and become obedient even to the point of death, that is when we will see the church raised up in power. Because it will never be said it was our political influence, it was not the arm of our flesh, it was not our great uh, wisdom, it was not our elegant speech, but it was the power of God. And nothing but the power of God. Because God will not share His glory with any flesh. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. He who loves his life will lose it. Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to lay everything down? Are you willing to let everything go for the cause of Christ? Are you willing? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified through his body, through the church, producing his fruit. It's time for the world to see, not the power of the church, not the influence of the church, but the glory of the Lord and the fruit of His Spirit manifest through His glorious bride. In our homes, in our places of work, in your marriages, in how you raise your children, in the places you live every day, in the way we love one another, in the, in, in, when we come to this place for worship, in all of our life, in every place we go, are we, are we allowing His fruit to be manifest? See, we as Christians, oh, y'all are really going to be mad at me today. We're so good at coming to church and putting our face on. We wear it like makeup. We put our mask on, and we appear so holy and pious and self-righteous. We go back to wherever we go, and we go right back to our life. But see, God could care less about your facade. Can I just be honest with you? I'm just being honest with you. You might not like what I have to say, but I'm telling you the truth. See, the church needs to get delivered of the masquerade. We come in here on Sunday and Saturday and Wednesday and we, it's like a masquerade ball. We all have our masks on. But 
But I wonder if we had hidden cameras and hidden microphones, what we would see and what we would hear as we interact with our families, with our husbands, with our wives, at work, at play. I wonder what we'd hear. I wonder what we'd see. doesn't really matter because God hears and God sees. He does. And you know what? Fool yourself. Fool myself. I can self-deceive myself, but the reality is what I am is going to come out. Whether I want it to or not, eventually the rubber band's going to break and the mask is going to fall off. When you least expect it, it will come off. And you will be exposed for what you truly are. And God doesn't do that because He's mad at you. God doesn't do that because He wants to embarrass you. God wants you to come honestly and open and broken to Him because He wants to redeem you. Because He wants to save you. Because maybe that masquerade, maybe that mask you're wearing, maybe the pride you carry, maybe the bitterness you carry, maybe the unforgiveness you carry, maybe whatever it is that you're carrying around, maybe that thing is hindering you from becoming a fruitful branch. And God in His constant grace, God in His constant love, God in His constant mercy just allows the mask to fall right off. He allows you to come to a place of brokenness so that He can do what? Make fun of you? Embarrass you? No, no, no. So that He can make you fruitful. Because until you're willing to allow God to deal with your issues, you're going to live self-deceived. And you may think you're fooling the world, but you're not. And even if you are, who cares? You're not fooling God. You're not fooling God. Now, I know in our politically correct day, we're not supposed to have preaching like this in church because nobody wants to come to hear anything like this. I mean, they want to come and, and hear everything's okay. That if we'll just read another self-help book, we'll, we'll learn how to be even more prosperous, even more successful. We'll learn how to have our best life yet. I mean, come on. And that's all good. That all has its place. But I'm telling you what, God wants to deal with the things that are inside of us, that are hidden within us because he wants to make you fruitful he wants to make you fruitful believe it or not God wants you to experience his love he wants you to experience his peace and his joy he does he wants you to know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus not because you are righteous but because Christ is righteous you didn't do anything to make yourself righteous, and you can't do anything to keep yourself righteous. God did it all right there at the cross. It is finished. All you have to do is enter into it. And I'm telling you, church, God desires to make you fruitful. He wants His fruit manifest through your life. Not just on Sunday morning, not just on Saturday night, not just on Wednesday, not just when you have your Christian mask on. But every moment of every day and everything you do. Because whether you know it or not, there are eyes watching you. Even the powers and the principalities on high are watching you. And your life declares the wisdom of God or the folly of God. And when we go around trying to, to, to do something in our own power, those powers and principalities, they just mock. Look at those, look at those people. But God will not be mocked. He won't be. He won't be. There is coming a day. 
And in that day, God wants to say to you, enter in, my good and faithful servant. Not because of your works, but because of Christ. So I implore you, as the Apostle Paul did, brethren, to present your bodies as living sacrifices to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world in your mind, but be transformed by the renewing of that mind. Because if you can get this mind renewed, and you've got a brand new spirit, and you get a renewed mind, this flesh, this body will follow. And what will come out of your mouth will be the abundance that's in your heart. And I pray that it will be the abundance of his word, of his seed. And what's seen through your members will be the fruit of his spirit. Then the Father will be glorified. And the church won't lack any power for anything. God will be able to accomplish every purpose he desires through his people. When the fruit of His Spirit is manifest in us. Amen. Father, I pray today, Lord, that you.